glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand with me if you would, please. Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2. Most people in this room tonight could quote verse 1, and many, if not most, could quote verse 3. Verse 2 lies in between, but let's read verses 1 and 2 together. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Thank you. You may be seated. Our emphasis again in verse 2 is on the first five words of the verse, the tongue of the wise. Now, the wise deals with, of course, the character of an individual. Throughout the book of Proverbs, you have the comparison contrast of the wise and the foolish, the righteous and the wicked. And one of the things that God emphasizes that will reveal a wise person is how he or she uses his or her tongue. Very interesting to me. Yeah, I mentioned this morning, it was in some of my reading this week, but the strange woman that's warned against in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, and throughout the book of Proverbs, but specifically those chapters, we might wonder what is her primary tool, but the one thing that gets mentioned the most about her is her tongue. She uses a flattering tongue. Let me make an application on it. I understand the strange woman there is speaking particularly and practically of, of a wicked woman who seduces and entices but it also speaks figuratively of false religion. We need to understand false religion will flatter us. We'll, this is If you hear, we sticks in the mud. We fundamental Baptist preachers, oh, sticks in the mud, right? Always upset about something, preaching against something. That's what it's said anyway. One of the things we warn against is preaching that we'll call it tickling the ears of the hearer. And no doubt we need encouraging messages, we need strengthening messages. I pray tonight's message is informing to us as to how to use our tongues wisely and uh, how to apply and, and, and give our hearts to the Word of God so that our tongue will fit the description we look at. But uh, you beware of a religion today that only speaks to the, the hearer in such a way so as to say you're wonderful, you're, you're good, there's nothing about you that shouldn't be cared for and loved. And flattery is the number one tool of the strange woman. Number one. She would use his flattering lips to build up the hearer, not build him up, puff him up, and uh, so that slaughter can come. Uh, making you think I love you when in my heart I hate you. And false religion does that today. It flatters the hearer uh, to the point of destruction. And so the tongue in Proverbs so important. May I say this? You have the strange woman in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Then Proverbs 8, guess who we're introduced to? Wisdom personified as a woman. And you know what her number one tool is? Her tongue. She uses her tongue to call travelers to go the right direction. She calls out to them and offers her, 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 her resources so they can make wise decisions. And so uh, our tongue, uh, as James says, can be a tremendous tool of destruction but surrendered and yielded to God can be a, a tremendous tool of help uh, to others. And so let's look here at Proverbs chapter 15 too. We just, again, we use this as a springboard. We'll come back to it here in a little bit uh, to look at the tongue of the wise. And the Bible says here, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. I'll say more about that verse when we talk here just a little bit about the implementation of the tongue. But I want to begin tonight with the tongue of the wise being the fact that the tongue of the wise is a tongue 
of integrity. Integrity. This word has come up today, came up this morning. Integrity has to do with being whole. Uh, and so integrity, the opposite of integrity, one of the opposites would be hypocrisy. To be duplicitous, to, 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 to be double-minded is a lack of integrity. The, the, and I use the word integrity for a number of reasons, but go to Proverbs 16, if you would, verse 23, and then we're going to go to some text in the New Testament, or a text in the New Testament here in just a little bit, a couple of texts there. And the idea would be this, what is in the heart of the wise person is the same thing that is in his tongue. The content of the heart and the content of the tongue match. And so the tongue of the wise is marked by integrity. His tongue is informed by his heart. May I say this? The fool's tongue is equally informed by his heart, but the fool will speak lies, meaning what's in his heart is often concealed with deceit by what comes out of his mouth, whereas the tongue of the wise, if he says something about loving God, it's because he does. If he speaks about trusting the Lord, it's because he does. The the tongue of the wise is a tongue of integrity. Proverbs 16, verse 23 says this, verse 21. Let's back up just a little bit. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Verse 23, the heart of the wise teacheth, his mouth, and addeth learning to his lips. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. David said it this way, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So the heart of the wise teacheth his mouth, meaning the mouth is instructed and informed by what is in the heart of the wise person. The heart of the wise we know is a heart that fears the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. So, for instance, we look at it this way. I read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When I hear that instruction, if I have a wise heart, my heart pays attention to that. That instruction says, okay, God says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. If the Holy Spirit of God doesn't want any corrupt communication proceeding out of my mouth, I need to lay some definition to the word corrupt. And I need to let that become very practical in my life. There's a number of words immediately that are in my mind. I have heard them. I've heard others use them. You've heard others use them. But immediately I think that promotes corruption. Therefore, though I am knowledgeable of that word in my head, my heart says, but don't let that come out of your mouth. The heart of the wise, and if you're wise, you have the same kind of guidance in your life. There are words that can be used, whether it be a slander or a backbiting, or it be a filthy word, some kind of corrupt communication. It's either corrupted by deceit, corrupted by uncleanness, corrupted by lasciviousness, corrupt by way of covetousness. doesn't matter. It's the heart attitude toward God and toward sin that determines what comes out of my mouth. And so then when, we come in, when we're looking at the heart of the wise or the mouth of the wise, it is instructed by the heart. The heart is yielded to God, is given in submission to God, and that is what's going to determine what comes out of the mouth. Not with a fool. His heart is a wellspring, just like that of a, of a man that's wise, but his heart is not instructed. It is just pouring out. We'll get again in Proverbs 15. Uh, the, uh, the wise man uses his tongue 
the foolish man simply, his tongue simply pours out whatever comes out. There's no restraint over it. And so the integrity of the tongue is seen in, in the source of instruction for his tongue. Uh, and not only the source being his heart, but look if you will. I'm going to connect a couple of verses if we may. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I understand, and I don't want to get too far off course in what I'm about to say, but I would understand that many would say, and have it's, it's kind of a popular thing to say right now, you don't receive Jesus into your heart. And what they mean by that is you need to be born again. You don't just make a decision, I want Jesus in me. But normally it's a Calvinist that's saying that, and if we're not careful, it leads people to think then Christ doesn't dwell in your heart. Well, but he does. The Bible says he dwells in our hearts by faith. There's a reason I'm saying all this. In Ecclesiastes, he's going to talk about the words of the wise and compare them uh, to goads and nails, but as coming from one shepherd. And we've already learned that it's the heart of the wise that instructs his mouth. And the reason that is is because the heart of a wise man is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, is under the rule and control of the Holy Spirit of God, and therefore, there's where the integrity comes from. We have one shepherd, if we're wise, each of us have one shepherd governing our tongues. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11, excuse me please. The words of the wise are as goads, we'll again, say more about that here in a few minutes, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Here's this idea of integrity. That one shepherd, of course, uh, is alluding to the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 3.15 says it like this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear are attitudes of the heart toward the Lord God that will determine how our tongue is used. And so the integrity of the tongue of the wise is determined by the one shepherd, one shepherd who's giving uh, his word to us, and when he has preeminence in our heart, then his will concerning us overrules everything else, and that governs and guides the tongue. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so as we connect those verses together, the presence of the Lord in our heart, the sanctifying of him. Sanctify means we make a place for him to rule. I believe this, the heart of the child of God is to be a throne where Christ rules and reigns. If that is the case, then the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. It's the, it is the presence of God in the heart and the will of God submitted to in the heart that determines how the tongue is used. If there is some area of my life where my tongue is being used sinfully, it's somewhere where the Lord is not ruling in my heart. Somewhere I've got an attitude of heart that's producing words of the mouth, and that attitude can be connected back to my heart and the, the place the Lord Jesus has or does not have in my heart. I believe this. We're talking about how it shouldn't be used. There are ways my tongue should be used. The Bible says we're to exhort one another daily. Exhort one another daily while it is called day. Meaning you and I are supposed to use our mouths to provoke and encourage one another to do what we know is good and right in the sight of God. If I'm not doing that, something, it may be the fear of man that's preventing that. If I'm not preaching the gospel to the unsaved, if I'm not using my tongue to communicate the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to someone else, somewhere something is, is governing my tongue other than the Lord. But the tongue of the wise is instructed by his heart. And that heart is instructed by one shepherd. 
You know when there becomes continuity? Uh, and and I, I, don't have to, I didn't write all these down, but if you were to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible talks about when an unbeliever comes in among us. If we're all speaking in an unknown tongue, meaning everybody's got a different message that no one can understand, they're going to think you're mad, basically. But when they come in and, they, and we're all prophesying, meaning proclaiming the word of God, they are convinced of all, meaning the one message coming from every person. We're not talking about being robotic and just repeating Bible verses, but may I say it this way. If I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, you're submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, we're going to say what he thinks. One shepherd is going to guide and guard our mouths. We're going to have the same guards around our tongue. We're going to have the same instruction for our tongue. The same message is going to proceed from us, and so we can speak of this as the individual. If I'm not double-minded and the Lord has ruled my heart, then that one shepherd's going to be governing my tongue through my heart, but I can say it of the body of believers as a local church. As the heart of this church is submitted to the Lord, you know what is going to determine the message that comes out of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church? Not just the pulpit, but the members of the church. It's the heart of the church. As we have a submitted heart to our Savior, He'll govern the mouth through the heart. And so the source of this integrity is the one shepherd. The sanctification dealt with here as is in my heart, I'm submitted to that one shepherd or he, I sanctify the Lord God in my heart. So here's the point. We've dealt with this on every issue of the body. Whether we're talking about our appearance, our appetite, our words, how, where we take our feet, it all is always connected to the heart. The mouth is connected to the heart. If I am not saying something I should or saying something I should not, I must know it's an issue of the heart because the tongue of the wise, the tongue of the wise is instructed by his heart. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. We looked at this verse early on, one of the, I think the first message on the tongue in the body, uh, on this series in the body, Luke 6, 45, the Lord Jesus says this, by the way, you cannot be wise until you've been born again. But even so, as born again, we must learn to put off the old and put on the new. Uh, Luke 6.45, Jesus says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of, his, of the heart, his mouth speaketh. I believe this. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth because in the heart of the wise dwells the wise one. Christ has made unto us wisdom and out of our heart his dwelling there, there is instruction given for the use of our tongue. This speaks of and deals with the integrity of the tongue of the wise. That his mouth speaks not from what is in someone else's heart, but what is instructed out of his own heart in the presence of the Lord there. Number two, we not only deal with the integrity of the tongue of the wise, but the implementation, meaning how does a wise person use the tongue? Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And we're not going to get into all the specifics. There's a number of specific examples we could give for how a wise person uses their tongue. They're going to use it to promote the truth. We will get into some of that in a few minutes. But I want us to see this about the tongue of the wise. The Proverbs 10.32, the Bible says, let's back up just a little bit, verse 31. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Isn't this interesting? Remember, it's the heart of the wise that instructs his mouth. Therefore, the mouth of the wise 
the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. When we, when the righteous implement the use of the tongue, there is a discernment between that is right to say, that is wrong to say. Tonight, we, and we've gone through a number of examples of how we can and should use our tongue. There are things that the child of God knows. I should not use my tongue to backbite another person. I should not use my tongue to deceive. I am not supposed to use my tongue to promote corruption and filth and lascivious things. Uh, rather, I'm supposed to use my tongue. It's to be wholesome and a tree of life. I love the word wholesome, by the way, when it comes to the tongue. Are my words going to add health to the hearer? We ought to ask that, by the way. Before I speak, what's the impact of what I'm going to say? Here's what I'd say, though. The tongue of the wise is discerning. It knows the difference between good and evil. With that thought in mind, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And this tells us a little bit how to grow in that discernment. It tells us a great bit about how to grow in that discernment. Hebrews chapter 5. It talks about by use of the word, we have our senses exercised to know both good and evil. A wise person doesn't sit around and say, well, I don't know. I'll just say what I think. No, that's foolishness. Uh, a wise person says, I say what is right. And I, I know there's a difference between this word is right and those words are not. Uh, the Bible says a word uh, fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. You see, wisdom directs the tongue. It may be, by the way, Proverbs 15, 2, uh, the Bible says that the wise use knowledge aright. Just because I know something doesn't mean it's time to say it. And so the tongue of the wise is discerning of what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. That's what wisdom does. It instructs the tongue. So Proverbs, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, the writer says in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. As you and I ingest the word of God, that's part of how we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, and he has given the ability to instruct our hearts, we grow in our ability to discern how to use our tongues and how not. A person whose tongue is constantly shooting out the first thing that comes to mind without discerning, this isn't the right thing to say right now, or this is never a right thing to say, is someone who needs to increase in wisdom we find the Lord Jesus at the age of 12 sat among adults asking questions and answering questions but not instructing or correcting anybody. At the age of 12, he had more wisdom governing his tongue than most of us have at the age of 40. <laughs> he knew when it was time to speak. He knew when it was time to be quiet. He knew how to answer questions. He knew how to ask questions. And he knew that that was his role and his place at that season in his life. And what I'm saying tonight is, the heart of the wise has a wellspring of wisdom in the heart that instructs the tongue. That wellspring of wisdom comes from the Word of God. We must spend time in God's Word getting instruction for our heart that can be tapped into when I'm about to speak to say, I know this is the right thing to say. Now's the right time to say it. I believe this. You and I have tremendous tools that God has latched into our, inside of our mouth but it must be governed by wisdom that's in the heart that comes from one shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the tongue of the wise is not, it is not directed, the wise person's tongue is never directed by his impulses. It's directed by the shepherd. The tongue of the wise is not directed by his, someone says, I couldn't help but say that, I was so angry. That's an expression of folly. If anger is running my tongue, I'm still foolish at some level. See, anger is not, I'm not, my emotions are not king. Can I get an amen? Emotions are not king. Jesus Christ is king. His will is to rule my tongue. Someone said, I couldn't help but I let one slip. That's not the wise way to go. The wise person doesn't let words slip. The wise person is discerning of what should come out of the mouth and what should not, and that is in form of the word of God. So not only in the implementation of the tongue, the tongue of the wise is discerning, which taps back into our first point, but it is directed, not reactionary. It is directed, not reactionary. This is is speaking of temperance. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 6, gives one of the purposes of the book of Proverbs. The Bible says to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. The dark sayings means they've got some hidden wisdom that you're going to have to listen closely to to get a hold of. But the point is, if it's a dark saying, it's something that was intentionally stated to impart wisdom. And we move forward now, if you would, Proverbs chapter 15, where we started, verse 2. This is the verse I really want to pay attention to on this point. That in the implementation or the use of the tongue, the tongue of the wise is not used as a reaction to emotions. It is used as a direction uh, of wisdom. It is directed by wisdom. Intentional, purposeful, not reactionary. Uh, again, Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise, and notice the next word, useth. Useth knowledge aright. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Uh, I... I I'm trying to think of a good illustration. That word poureth out is like something that spills out accidentally. That's the idea that you get in the context of the scripture here. The tongue of the wise intentionally says things at certain times to accomplish intentional purposes. Tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. This is something I know that stated at this point in time will help reveal something that this person needs to know. I'm going to say something now it needs to be said. I know this. And I'm going to say it. The Bible says that, that a prudent man concealeth knowledge. I'll be honest, one of the hardest things to do is to know that you know something somebody else doesn't and keep it to yourself. I think that's probably more true for some of us than others. But the fact is the Bible has to deal with how we use knowledge. First Corinthians chapter 8 says, We all know that we have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Meaning... Mere knowledge makes me feel like I am better than someone else. Charity governs how you use knowledge. How many know this? There are moments where if I share my knowledge, I'm going to make the hearer want to crawl under a pew or a chair or a car, whatever's near them, because all I'm using my knowledge to do is say, I know more than you. And that's not going to help them at all. The charity should govern the knowledge we have. So we say, okay, how can I use what I know to benefit the person I'm speaking to? And so then Proverbs 15, 2 again, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge. 
Knowledge to a wise person is a tool whereby we serve God and serve people. It is not a mere expression of our emotion or our, our, our impulses. However, with a fool, the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The Bible says a fool uttereth all his mind. You, 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 you meet a fool, you'll know everything he knows in no time at all. Because he's going to tell you everything he knows. Every little fact is just going to come spilling out. In the abundance of words, folly is known. A wise person says, you know what? I may know this, but now's not the time to say it. I may know this, but if I say it, it's going to expose someone to danger. I mean, no, many a church problem has been created by simply people telling things they know. You know, there are times we may know something about a brother or sister that's gotten right with God. We don't have to tell it. Charity covereth a multitude of... That doesn't mean you're part of a cover-up. It means if that sin has been made right and there's no need for another person to know it, if you don't have to change what that person thinks about that person in the negative, don't. Before we tell something saucy on somebody, we ought to think why. Many times, you know why we're telling it? Because we know it. Well, did you hear about so-and-so? You and I both know bad news travels quick. If it's something that someone's... How many of you ever come up and said, you know what, last week, last week I saw brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, I saw them out passing out a gospel tract. Does that ever happen? But the moment they get off in some sin, man, did you hear what so-and-so did? But the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. The tongue of the wise says, you know what, knowledge is a tool that I must be very careful with. The facts that I have in my head are not there so I can spout them off so everybody knows how many facts I have. No, no, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. In this we mean that the tongue of the wise is directed, not merely pouring out. Uh, put it this way. In the mouth of a fool, there is no barrier between the mind and the tongue. There's no barrier that says, seal that off. It just pours out. Whatever's on the mind comes out of the mouth. Uh, someone will often say, I mentioned it already, well, I'm a person who just speaks my mind. Well, that's not always good. It means I am, my knowledge is just pouring out rather than being directed. How many of you understand the difference between pouring and directing? Absolutely. Um, if I take a can of oil, pull the lid off, and just bloop, kick it over, it's pouring out. I can take that same can of oil, take the lid off, and put a funnel in my engine and pour it in. One is directing it. The other is just letting her flow. It's fools that let their mouths flow unchecked. It's wise people that use knowledge aright. And so then, using it for right purposes, either for, it can be a host of things. Even it can be positive, it can be negative, but it should have a right purpose. You think of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think he ever said one word on accident, ever. Whether it was a word of comfort to Mary when she had poured oil on him and she was being criticized by those around her for how she worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ in giving her all and giving her best, he rebuked the other disciples and said, leave her alone. And that was a word of encouragement to her. At the same time, it was a word of rebuke to them. He knew her heart and he used his knowledge to expose Judas, correct the disciples who were being more influenced by a traitor than they were by the Savior, and to commend her all with one word. Wisdom uses knowledge aright, the wise tongue. So we've seen the integrity of a wise tongue. We've seen the implementation of the tongue of the wise. And then thirdly, the influence of the tongue of the wise. We're here in Proverbs 15, verse 1. The Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, 
but grievous words stir up anger. So verse 1 and verse 2 are connected. If you see the first part, a soft answer turneth away wrath. The tongue of the wise is the one who gives the soft answer and turns away wrath. He knows if I answer this way at this time, I can quell the fiery wrath that someone's bringing my way, but the grievous words stir up anger. Grievous there means provoking, offensive, tending to irritate. Uh, Soft means tender, mild, gentle, not rough, rude, or irritating. The tongue of the wise says, here's how I use my tongue. And the Bible says again, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. The tongue of the wise is informed by truth and uses it aright. Proverbs 15, verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. And then we have in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5, another reference uh, to the tongue of the wise or the mouth of the wise. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5 says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. I never hear that with thinking you'd be far better to hear uh, an old old-fashioned Baptist preacher than to hear the song of some country music singer. <laughs> Amen? Better to hear the rebuke of the wise than the song of fools uh, because uh, you're going to benefit out of the one. So the first influence of the tongue of the wise is the promotion of knowledge. And the way Bible, the Bible uses knowledge is the knowledge of the truth. We're not just talking about information, but knowledge that comes from God, the knowledge of the truth. You know what? You and I ought to be a wellspring of truth to those around us. The tongue of the wise is, a, is, is used to promote knowledge. Again, Proverbs 15, 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. How many people around us do not know the truth about God? They do not know the truth about eternity. They do not know the truth. They are confused about right and wrong. They are confused about their own spiritual state. They are confused about everything under the sun because they're hearing all kinds of information. You and I can speak the truth of God's word into their life if we will. We're often, and the wise person does, is I've got knowledge. To whom much is given of the same as much required. I believe this. We who have Bible knowledge have a tremendous responsibility. We have been entrusted with the treasure of the knowledge of God himself. We not only have the knowledge, we have the understanding. If we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. That's why Jesus said we're the light of the world. And so the heart, the, 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 the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, meaning we are about telling people the truth, speaking the truth in love. One of the emphasis I feel like the Lord has directed in this series of messages is not only dealing with and giving reproof and rebuke for the wrong use of a tongue, but you know, one of the wrong uses of a tongue is not using it. It is just as wrong to not speak the truth as it is to speak a lie. If I have the opportunity to tell someone that Jesus Christ will save them and I do it not, to me it is sin. James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So the influence of the tongue of the wise is the tongue of the wise and the mouth of the wise and the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Uh, my mom, just recently, she was telling me a story yesterday about a woman in Kenya she has been communicating with through the Internet. And she's asking mom, they got a hold of mom and dad through the Wings Bearing Precious Seed, the ministry Facebook page. And so she's been communicating with this dear lady, and the woman is asking her questions about salvation. My mom had her flags up at first, 
concerned it's one of these spam things. Well, by and by, it's not. And so my mom would give her Bible and instruction directly from the Bible. And one of the questions a woman asked is, where are you getting this, this, this teachings that you're giving me? Where's this coming from? Your teachings, where do they come from? She's familiar with charismatic type religion, but not the Bible. And my mom's just giving her Bible verses. And to her, it was foreign. Where are these teachings coming from? She had not read her Bible, not familiar with the Bible. Do you know there are more people even around us? Now, I doubt and dare say they're probably not nearly as hungry for those teachings as that dear lady is. But there are people around us that you and I can assume they know the Bible. I've been shocked at Bible truth I give people they've never heard. They've never heard. Do you realize there's people in this community that have never been told eternal life, salvation, forgiveness of sins is a gift, not a reward? Now, I believe this community is often, we've saturated with the truth, but there are people you and I meet that they need to hear the truth from us. And a wise person, I believe this, finds a way to the person who's willing to hear it and receive it. I'm not talking about casting your pearls before swine. I'm not talking about giving that which is holy to the dogs. We ought to be discerning when someone says, I don't want the truth. You throw it at me, I'll trample it underfoot. Well, then don't throw it in front of them. But the fact of the matter is, there are people that like the Lord Jesus and the woman at the well. How many of us would have given up on the woman at the well early on? I would have. As Jesus sat next to her, she was completely critical of him. Why are you asking for a drink from me? What are you up to? She did not trust him. And he took the time to disperse the knowledge he had about her soul and how he could save her. He stayed at it, and his wisdom found a way to break down her defenses and get the truth into her ears. Now, I believe this. I understand there are people that don't want the truth, and they're not interested. We need to shake the dust. But there are also people we need to get wiser. He that winneth souls is wise. I believe one of the best things you and I can do to find a way to get the truth in the ears of people is listen before we talk. Let everyone may be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Uh, I know a few weeks ago, well, I won't give any more illustrations. I just believe this. The tongue of the wise, it disperses knowledge. And you and I have wisdom from God and dwell with the Spirit of God. We should be promoting through giving, dispersing the knowledge of the truth. Think of it this way. Bonnersbury Baptist Church is a truth dispensary. Now, you know what, immediately, you know how my mind thinks about that? Right. We have a radio ministry, we have a jail ministry, we have tracks. Sure. You know what the greatest dispenser of truth in this church is? It's every person. Every one of us have the Spirit of God in our heart, the Word of God in our hand, and as a church, we are to be a dispensary of the truth. And so then, wise people dispense knowledge. Number two, we not only... The wise person, not only the influence, but the influence of the tongue of the wise, it dispenses or promotes knowledge. Number two, it provokes good. Look, if you would, back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is such an interesting verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the Bible says, the words of the wise are as, and what's the first analogy? Goads. How many know what a goad is? A goad was an implement used by a shepherd, by a shepherd, with a bit of a sharp end to prod the sheep and get them moving. Words of the wise are intended to provoke you into moving into action at the word of God. Words of the wise will stir you and think, you know what, I need to do something about that. I don't need to sit back and keep the truth to myself. I don't need to 
uh, delay a decision of faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need to delay to repent of something and confess that to God. Words of the wise are intended not to console you into mediocrity. Words of the wise are goads to move us into action. But the why the Bible says preaching is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Words of the wise will say, you know what, here's the truth, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so words of the wise are as goads, they're as, as sticks prodding us to do the right thing. Words of the wise, I read books and when I get done I close it and think, man, I've got to have a better prayer life. If that tells me the man who wrote it was wise. There's other books I read and I think, my goodness, I've got to do a better job at, at fellowship with the Lord. I've got to do a better job of studying the Word of God. They provoke us to love and to good works. I wonder, do our words prod people to righteousness? Look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. And the Bible says in verse 24, And let us consider one another to, and what's the next word? Provoke. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I can say this, one of the temptations that I face as a Christian, as a preacher, is to give words that only make people feel comfortable where they are. Because, you know, that makes you likable. But it doesn't help anybody. Amen? It doesn't really help anybody. We ought to provoke one another. I don't mean, you know, being provoking to wrath, but provoking to love and a good work. So the influence of the words of the wise are they're as goads. They prod us into action. Again, think of James's words. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know what he's using? Under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he is using his words to goad us and say, don't you know what's right and then not do it? Don't you sit on the knowledge of the truth of a good and right decision to make and be indifferent toward truth and righteousness when you know what is right. Therefore, if you know it's good, you've got to do it. He's using his words to provoke us and get us moved into action. And so then the words of the wise are as goads uh, and then we move on. Not only is the promotion of knowledge, the provocation of good, but the influence of the tongue of the wise is preservation of life. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. We've all known people like that and perhaps been like that. And we're not talking about the way God uses His Word. His Word is like a surgeon's knife, two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder. But there are there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, have ever cut you with their tongue? You put it to this way. If you know someone is hurting in some area of their life, I'll use a very silly illustration, but I believe it will illustrate this truth. This is often how we use our tongues this way. Let's say you know, you know a, a friend or a loved one, they've just gotten a brand new car. And, man, that's all they can talk about. And because you're driving a hunk of junk, envy wells up in your heart and you think, got me a new car, and all of a sudden in your heart you resent them for having something you don't have, a, a blessing. And let's say they didn't go around sinning to get it. They got a new car, and it's nice, and in your heart, boy, you resent that person. And the first week they get their new car, they're all they're doing is talking about their car, and oh, somebody in the parking lot drove up next to them and scratched it. And deep in your heart you think, serves them right. All they can talk about is their new car. And so here's what happens. They pull into church on Sunday, and you say, oh, you enjoying your new car? Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it still. Are you still liking it? Yeah. 
I hate that you got a scratch on it. You know what you just did? Took that tongue and went... You knew where it hurt, and you laid it right on the hurt to make them think about the very thing that hurt. I said it's a silly illustration. Sometimes somebody's got something devastating in their life, and we have an attitude of sin in our heart toward them, jealousy or envy or some other sinful attitude, bitterness there, and we may use our tongue to to deepen the pain they already feel. What a sinful thing to do. The wise doesn't do that. There are, There is that is like the piercings of the sword. The Bible says, Proverbs 12, 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. I figure out how to use my tongue to heal. You know what the root word of health is? Healing. To heal. Sin wounds people. We're supposed to use our tongue to heal, to give health. It may be that needs something needs to be used like a surgeon's knife. But may I say this? How do you know that two different men could have the same knife in their hand and do two entirely different things? A thief and a thug can use a surgeon's knife to murder somebody or slice them up to get what he wants. A surgeon uses that same knife. A thief is going to wield that thing and cut wherever he can. The surgeon's going to be very specific, very careful, lay it very gently, carefully and intentionally where it belongs. So as to bring both are going to cut you. One is going to heal you as he cuts away a tumor, as he as he heals up, has to lay something open to to remove or repair a broken bone. The word of God is it is a two edged sword, but the wise person will use it to apply it in such a way so as to deal with corruption or to bring to bring healing. The tongue of the wise is health. That's what it brings, and so it's preservation of life. It is preservation of life or health to others, but it's also health to the one that has the wise tongue. Proverbs 14, verse 3 says, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. I believe that rod of pride deals with what he says, ends up being the rod. You ever heard of giving somebody a stick to beat you with? That's what a fool does. He gives you the very words you can whip him with. (laughs) Yeah, but you said... But you said, you you yourself said, you can take his own words and get him. (laughs) Not the wise. The wise man, his lips and his mouth preserve him. What he says is the very thing that ends up preserving him. And so then, the influence of a wise tongue is promotion of knowledge, provocation of good, preservation of life, and peace among men as much as is possible. Uh, We understand Proverbs 15 verse 1 Uh, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. We understand that a soft answer is not always possible, but if you want to quell wrath, don't answer it with grievous words. You know this as well as I. You get two people that are angry at each other, and one person uses grievous words, uh, that idea of irritating, agitating, and the other one answers the same way. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest they'll be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. But here's what happens. When one guy is filled with wrath, and I'm talking about the wrath of man that worketh not the righteousness of God, and wrath is answered with wrath, what happens? One fire feeds the other, and next thing you know, (laughs) but when wrath is fiery, the other person says with a soft, a gentle answer, you can quell the wrath of a man with a gentle answer. Now, you know what it takes to do that? Not impulse, I promise you, not emotion. It takes being under the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, which we all need. And so 
Proverbs 15, 1, again, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I believe this. I believe our Lord Jesus Christ, you find at times he lifted his voice. But I wonder. I just have to wonder. Uh, I wonder. <laughs> I believe this. His words are so specific and so sharp and to the point. When he said to the Pharisees, I don't know what his tone of voice was. I doubt it was uh, very bombastic when he said, You're of your father the devil and his works ye will do. He was a liar from the beginning. I mean, he very to the point with them. But I would only say this. When they tried to provoke his spirit, did he ever let the Pharisees, his enemies, the scribes, the agitators, control him? He remained ever in control of his own tongue. And as we walk with him, we'll do the same. And every word has intent and a purpose to be accomplished, and that not being the destruction. He said, I came not to destroy life, but to save it. And so then for ourselves, we need to know that one of the greatest sources of contention is our tongue. Uh, Only by pride cometh contention, but with a well-advised is wisdom. Look, if you would, quickly at Romans chapter 12. We're talking about the influence of a wife's tongue is peace among men. You and I have the ability to use our tongue in such a way not to provoke wrath, not to provoke contention and strife, but to quell it if we will. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, the Bible says in verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. And that is the spirit of God's words. It's not always possible. But if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. May I say this? One of the things that I think we can take away out of the last political cycle is that Christians, by and large, got entangled and wrought up in a political process, and a lot of Christians said things that should have never been said. I'll just say that. I know that's a broad statement. But they were said on social media, said in public forums, because we got into a, I, I fear so much, we got entangled in a process that got us using our tongues in an inadvisable... And I'm not talking... Please let me be very clear. I am not sit, talking about sitting back and being quiet when we need to speak up for truth and righteousness. I am not talking about that. And I believe that should be understood. I'm not talking about being a pacifist. I'm not talking about... Uh, if you read the Lord Jesus Christ, He spoke bold and strong words, but not ever for the defense of His own ego. Never for the defense of Himself, but for the defense of the righteousness of God. You and I should speak strongly, boldly, clearly, and unapologetically in defense of God and His Word always without any equivocation. But once we get into defending our own egos, we're in trouble. And the tongue of the wise does not go to defense. When the Lord Jesus Christ was under trial from Pilate, being accused of being a thug and a a, a malefactor when he knew he had no sin, what did he say in his own defense? He answered not a word. Answered not a word. He gave the truth. I, for this cause command of the world to bear witness to the truth. Pilate's answer was, what is truth? And after that, our Lord went silent. He gave a good confession of what he came to do, and he did it. As much as lieth in us. I, I know, I just the honest truth is, nothing wants me to pipe up and mouth off quicker than when someone hurts my ego. But as we're under the direction and leadership of the Spirit of God, you and I have no purpose for defending our own reputation among men. If men think us to be fools, let them think what they will. We need to be most concerned, what do men think of God? And if we open our mouths and say the wrong thing at the wrong time, we'll ruin someone else's 
thought about, we become an offense. By, by our tongue, we offend many, uh, James would deal with. First Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. We're about done. First Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Bible says, again, verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise, blessing, knowing that ye are there unto called that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them to do evil. Do you see how the Lord connects the use of the tongue and peace? A uh, soft answer turneth away wrath. The grievous words stir up anger. I don't know about you. Again, one of the great temptations is when I feel uh, that someone is assaulting my reputation, my temptation is to pipe up and come to my own defense. Often that's only going to stir contention. There are times that you and I, and we never, ever, ever need to be conciliatory of evil but we never need to be contentious out of a prideful heart. And so the influence of a, a, a wise tongue is the promotion of knowledge, the provoking of good as goads, the preservation of life. I believe that idea is nails, fastened, meaning our, our words should be sure, certain, built on the conviction of God's word, something that fastens truth and keeps it unmovable. That deals with preservation of life. And then peace among men, as much as lieth in us. How many times... Do we say something because we think, well, I have a right? I would venture to say if the motivation between, behind what I'm about to say is, well, I have a right, that normally is this was said to me, so I have a right to say this in return. Often that's rendering evil for evil. And it would be better to be silent at that point than to use our tongue in such a way that it's going to, to misrepresent the Lord. And so tonight, a lot, of, a lot of knowledge, a lot of information about the tongue of the wise But the tongue of the wise is a tongue of integrity governed by the Holy Spirit of God from the heart of an individual, a heart that's sanctified unto him, set apart for his dwelling and his rule. The implementation of the tongue, the wise are discerning. The tongue of the knowledge knows what is right, knows what is acceptable to the Lord. It is directed by what is acceptable to the Lord, not what is my uh, impulse. And then the influence, it promotes knowledge, provokes good, preserves life and peace among men. How about you tonight? There are times I need to align with what I've heard tonight more than I perhaps do. Amen? I'm the only one. No. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the tongue. Boy, I tell you, of all our members, it's the one we need help with the most. Mm-hmm.